Hello podcast family. My name is Duncan Wasiwa and welcome to our Farmer Mentor series brought to you by Farmers Inside Track. Thank you so much for listening to some of South Africa's top farmers over the past few weeks as we get to know them and their businesses. Now in our Mentor Farmer chair in this episode is Tanashe Jomaiwa. Cultivates maize, sugar beans, raises cows, sheep and broilers on a farm spanning over 30 hectares in Gauteng. Now, hailing from a long line of farmers with roots in Zimbabwe, he and his family have established a thriving agricultural enterprise in the economic hub of South Africa. The success can be attributed to their forward-thinking farm strategies. It's me Tanashe. Tanashe, thank you so much for joining us on Farmers Inside Track. Thank you Duncan for having me. Pleasure to be here. Definitely great getting to know you. I learned about you through a mutual friend. He told me a bit about your story and I definitely needed to hear more about what it is that you do. Let's start here. So, apart from being a farmer, you're also in the music industry. That's correct. Yes, yes, yes. I'm a record producer, produce music. I work with various record labels from overseas, but I mainly work with Easy Trackers, which is based in Australia, and I've been doing that for quite some time. How does a music producer get into the agricultural industry, Tanashe? <laughs> well, agriculture has always been embedded in in my genes. I'm not the first time farmer in my family. My grandparents were farmers. Growing up, I watched my parents also do farming, and I kind of grew up into that. And at some point, I always told myself, once I'm down at school, I want to try this again. Go back to where we started. And your family, they farming back home in Zimbabwe or are they farming in South Africa as well? My family's best year, uh, we migrated in 2007. We used to farm in Zim. Right now, they're, they're no longer farming in Zim. They're, they're with me here. They do assist every now and then. Tell me a bit about your farming business. What does your farm profile look like? We mentioned crops and livestock. Was your strategy always to farm both crops and livestock or did you start first with crops or the other? Tell me a bit about that journey. The first thing I actually did on the farm was we started with crops and then as we settled in on the farm and moved permanently, so yeah, I'm staying on the farm permanently. We then started incorporating livestock, started with sheep, then I bought a few cows, a few heifers, and then from there we went into broilers, pigs, and layers. We took steps bit by bit, you know, getting to understand the place since we're new in this area. And then we would see what animals can we keep on the farm and how they do best. That's how we basically did it. But then the first thing that we did, we're focusing on crops. Tell us about that. Your focus on crop and then we'll get into the livestock that you do. What are the specific types of crops that you focus on and why did you choose them? We started with maize, yellow maize, because it doesn't need a lot of rain. We also went into sugar beans. It's a very, very lucrative crop if you plant it. It has very, very good returns. And soya beans also. And also, in terms of the crops, why we chose those crops, we don't really use a lot of irrigation here. We rely on natural rainfall. It was quite easy for us to just start with those crops, understand the weather patterns, and then plant those three. So we've been rotating those three. The first year we, we started with white maize and then the second year we did beans and then the third year we did maize and sugar beans. Then also we specifically yellow maize and soya. We tend to want to plant a lot of that because it helps us with feed for, for the animals that we have on the farm. Now, of course, you know, with maize and sugar beans and some of the other crops that you focus on, 
uh, weather can be quite unpredictable, especially with climate change and the weather phenomenons that we are currently experiencing. Um, seeing in some parts of the country below normal rainfalls. How do you navigate those challenges? Weather is very, very unpredictable lately. It's best for a farmer if the finances allow and the geographical location allows. Put irrigation in place. Also, most importantly, be prepared, which is something I've been struggling with lately. Be prepared for the planting season. Have everything ready. Prepare your lands in time. And once the rain comes and all that, you're ready to plant, you're on the ground. And also, the most important thing, again, a farmer must always think ahead of time. Talk to local farmers around, understand the weather patterns, ask them how's the weather patterns around. Since we are young farmers, we, the experience is not that much. Study weather patterns and focus of the area and all that, and then this might help you. That's what I do most of the time. But yeah, sometimes it's not 100% accurate, but it does help at some point. Definitely. Tanasha, has there ever been a moment where you planted maize or you planted sugar beans, hoped for the rain, and the rain didn't show up as hoped for, and the yields that you expected is not what you received? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Been in that situation, I think twice. First time I started, then the rain came in a bit late. We didn't really get that much. And you could see with maize, the size is just not that long and the beans, it wasn't a good experience, but yes, I've experienced that. Of course, this impacts your revenue, it impacts your pocket. Is this where your diversification strategy comes into play? You also focusing on livestock, is that what ends up saving you as a farmer? Tell us a bit about that. To some extent, yes. You can't put all your eggs in one basket. You need to have different income streams in case this one flops, you move on to the next one. And livestock does help, especially layers that did help with recovering a bit. And then, of course, the sheep and all that. But it's not yet commercialized to the extent where I can say it does put some relief to my pocket. But yeah, it does help you to not drown completely. Of course, having a diversified farming profile that in your case focuses both on Crops and livestock cannot imagine that it's easy. What challenges have you faced integrating livestock and crop farming on your farm and, and how did you overcome them? The challenge that I faced in terms of livestock, the only challenge I've had was being able to equally divide the land that I need for natural grazing for the livestock and enough land and still have enough land plant crops. I think that's one challenge that I had and then that's when I ended up renting land from neighboring farms that are not being used. I think that's the only problem I've had so far in terms of integrating the two because it's a matter of space. You you can't rely on buying feed the whole time. You need to make use of natural grazing. At the same time, you need to use the same land for crop farming. What innovative farming practices or techniques have you implemented to enhance the productivity of your farm? I have a little bit of educational background in GIS, Geographical Information Systems. So right now I'm working with a couple of my friends from back in college in university who can assist me with incorporating remote sensing into crop monitoring as I expand. So as I move into planting large portions of land, I want to incorporate a remote sensing where I can monitor healthy crops and unhealthy crops and stuff like that using images. That's the first one. And then... As of recently, we got a chance from a friend and a neighbor. He has a drone 
And then he taught us how to use the drone to spray herbicides, fertilizer, and pesticides. And that managed to cut down a lot on the diesel costs and labor costs. Those are the few things that I can mention at the moment. It's quite comforting to know that you are a future-focused farmer, farmer that doesn't just think about the next two years, but you think about the next 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It's definitely an approach that any farmer should be having when it comes to their farming business. What marketing strategies, Tanasha, do you employ to sell your agricultural products? Let's maybe start with the crop side and then we'll go into livestock. With crops, I use social media. I'm on Instagram. That's where I usually post. Uh, I usually, in, on a marketplace, Facebook, where I usually post, especially uh, sugar beans with crops. Yeah. So my sugar beans, once I've harvested, cleaned and pegged, and also I do door-to-door marketing, uh, which means I, I go in person to specific shops. I talk to managers, create a relationship with them, and then if they're interested in any of my produce, we also have examples. Then we can strike a deal from there and then continuously deliver until they're satisfied or until I'm, I'm out of the produce. So that's with sugar beans. And then with maize, I've mostly taken my maize to Africa silos. It's easier that way since it's in volumes, it's in large numbers. A lot of times I can't really sell that individually or to, I usually take that to the silos to Africa and then that's the process basically with crops. And, and then the livestock unit of your farm? My livestock is mostly auctions. I go to auctions in Sandra and I go to auctions in Brown Street. On Tuesdays, they have auctions every Tuesdays. And then in Sandra, that's just after Dilmas in Pumalang. On Saturdays, if I have to sell any, everything, if I have to sell anything, I use auctions for that. You've been doing this for quite some time now. And it's quite impressive that you are doing it on the scale that you are. What is your advice for, for new farmers that will listen to this podcast? and think to themselves, oh, wow, I think I want to do that. I think I want to diversify and not just focus on crops or not just focus on livestock. What is your advice to that farmer listening right now? Farming is a journey. Uh, it takes time. This is my fourth year and I'm still thriving. I'm still going. I haven't reached the, the point where I want to be. Still learning. So I feel like be patient, always be eager to learn talk to farmers around, old farmers, old people who have been around doing this. Attend uh, those those workshops, those farmers in Dabu, attend those things, learn, improvise, and always be on the ground. But don't do so phone farming where you, you are somewhere there in Joburg and you're farming through the phone. Yeah, what, you need to be on the ground. What do you call it cell phone farming? <laughs> <laughs> That's what my dad has always been calling it. Call itself on farming, you know. <laughs> Some people have been Delvin or in Jehovah and then they're just asking, How are the crops? What have you guys done? I <laughs> need to go on the ground. Right, over to our farmer question. This week's question comes from Tolani Kumalo, who is interested in Moringa farming. Actually, one of my favorite industries at the moment. Now, his question is answered by Tsepiso Seolane, founder of More Nichi Products, who grows about 1,500 Moringa trees and processes them into natural and eco-friendly products. My name is Tonani Kumalo. I'm an inspiring farmer from the East Indian. I would like to venture into Moringa farming. What are the ideal growing conditions for Moringa trees? My name is Tsepiso Seolane from more nutritional products. 
a farm based in Dosing village, Limpopo province. So the favorable conditions under which to grow Moringa oleifera are temperatures between 25 and 30 degrees Celsius. Although the plant is capable of withstanding temperatures of up to 48 degrees Celsius, the temperature has an effect on germination and seedlings. So the research studies conducted by University of Pretoria, it has highlighted that higher temperature regime of 20 to 30 degrees Celsius has a favorable seedling growth. The tree cannot survive in a flood-prone areas and in the areas with poor drainage. Another condition is the soil condition. So the soil condition in different regions and individual farming practices also has an impact on Moringa tree. Moringa farming brings us to the end of this episode. Join us again next time when we meet another mentor farmer. Don't miss it on the exclusive article covering this episode. Make sure that you visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za to be the first one to read it. Oh, and yes, remember to purchase your ticket to this year's Mzanzi Young Farmers in Daba, happening on 4, 5 and 6 April. If you attended the Mzanzi Young Farmers in Daba in 2022 and 2023, get ready for a big surprise. This time around, Food for Mzanzi is transforming an inner city farm to bring you everything from a John Deere showcase to livestock and drone demonstrations. For more information and to book your ticket, visit www.farmingindaba.com. But for now, thanks for joining us. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. From me, Duncan Masiwa, our technical producer, Megan Funderfend, and the rest of Hashtag Team Food from Zanzi, as always, thanks for listening.